Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you because at carmax we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car you should love your car that's why every car we sell is carmax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer so don't settle Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Science of Success, the number one evidence-based growth podcast on the internet, bringing the world's top experts right to you. Introducing your hosts, Matt Bodner and Austin Fable. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Science of Success, the number one evidence-based growth podcast on the internet with over 5 million downloads and listeners like you in over 100 countries. I'm your co-host, Austin Fable, and today we have an absolutely incredible interview from the archives. We're bringing it back, the godfather of influence himself, Dr. Robert Cialdini. This was a truly major turning point in the show. Matt and I had both been and still continue to be huge fans of Dr. Cialdini and his work. His book, Influence, was actually the first real personal development slash nonfiction book I'd ever read. It was the catalyst for me getting interested in this world and a lot of the things we discuss in this podcast. His interview was incredibly relevant, his stories impactful, and we had a great time speaking with him. But before we dig in, you knew it was coming. Are you enjoying the show and the content we work very hard to put out every week for you? If so, there are two incredibly easy yet very impactful things you can do for Matt and I. First, leave us a quick five-star review in your podcast listening platform of choice. It's going to help other people find the show just like you. You're going to be doing your part to help impact lives, and we thank you. Next, go to our homepage at www.successpodcast.com and sign up for our email list today. As I'm sure you know by now, our subscribers are the first to know about all the comings and goings of the show, but you also gain access to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. Now, are you on the go? That's fine. 
Sign up for the email list just by texting the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222, and you'll be signed up immediately today. Now, if you haven't already, check out last week's episode with Gay Hendricks and Carol Klein. We dig into how you can create more conscious luck in your life, find yourself in the right place at the right time more often, and some of the real-life stories behind finding and creating your own luck. Now, in this episode, we interview our incredible guest, Dr. Robert Cialdini. Dr. Cialdini is the president and CEO of Influence at Work. He is the multi-bestselling author of Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, and his latest book, Presuasion, A Revolutionary Way to Influence and Persuade. He is currently a Regents Professor Emirates of Psychology and Marketing at Arizona State University, commonly referred to as the godfather of influence, as I mentioned earlier. Robert's work has been featured around the world with clients such as Twitter, Microsoft, London Business Forum, South by Southwest, and more. This is a truly incredible interview. Like I said, a turning point for the show, no question about it. Without further ado, here's the interview with Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence himself. Bob, welcome to the Science of Success. Thank you, Matt. I'm pleased to be with you and your listeners. Well, we're incredibly excited to have you on here today. So listeners, you know, I'm I'm sure many longtime listeners will be very familiar with you and and a lot of your work. So I want to focus on your new book, Persuasion. You know, we've talked, we've done a whole series on the show about uh, the principles of influence and and how vital those are. So tell me a little bit about what, how did you go from, from the six principles of influence to the concept of persuasion? Well, you know, it took me a long time. It was 30 years between the writing of the book Influence and Persuasion. And the truth is, I never had an idea big enough to compete with the impact that Influence had had. I didn't want to plant a bush next to this tree that Influence had become. I wanted to wait until I had another seed for a tree. And that didn't arrive until the idea for persuasion. And opposed to, to influence, which covers what best to build into a message to get agreement, persuasion describes the process of gaining agreement with a message before it's been sent. And although that may seem like some form of magic, it, it's not. It's, it's established science. So tell me a little bit more about that idea. How can we, how can we get someone to buy into an idea before we've even presented it to them? There is a key moment that allows a communicator to create a state of mind in recipients that is consistent with the forthcoming message. It's the moment in which we can arrange for others to be attuned to our message before they encounter it. That's a crucial step for maximizing desired change. For example, in one study, when researchers approached individuals and asked for help with a marketing survey, only 29% agreed to participate. But if the researchers approached a second sample and preceded that request with a simple, persuasive question, do you consider yourself a helpful person? Now 77.3% volunteered. Why? Because when they were asked before the request if they were helpful, nearly everyone said yes. Then, when the request occurred, most agreed to participate in order to be consistent with the recently activated idea of themselves as helpful people. That's fascinating finding. And, and I mean, 
basically more than doubles the effectiveness by simply asking a question which leverages the the commitment consistency tendency. Right. And there's a further study that shows that it's it's not simply getting people to make a commitment publicly. It's getting them to reflect on a particular trait that they might have. So in another study, people were asked to try a new soft drink. They were walk, Somebody walked up to them on the street, handed them a flyer that asked them to try a new soft drink. And to do so, they had to give this stranger their email address. Well, under those circumstances, only 30% were interested in doing that. But if at the top of the flyer, there was a question, do you consider yourself an adventurous person? Now 55% gave their email address to a stranger so that they could access something new. So what these researchers did was put people in touch with their adventurous side simply by asking the question, And then people behaved in a way that was congruent with that adventurous side. And I believe – I think you've talked about in the past how you used to be a palm reader, right? And and this is similar to the lesson that that fortune tellers and palm readers use to get people to sort of agree with what they're about to say. Exactly. So I learned how to be an amateur uh, palm reader. And I tried – using the the system in various ways to see how accurate it really was. And I found that it it wasn't any good at all at uh, describing who people were, what their fortunes were. But it was very accurate at getting people to reflect on a particular aspect of themselves that I could claim I saw in their palm. For example, suppose I was reading your palm and I bent back your thumb and I said, Matt, I can tell from the uh, resistance here that you are a very stubborn person. If somebody tries to push you in a direction that you don't want to go, you're going to push back, right? You might not even, you you might do more than just refuse. You might do the, the opposite, out of uh, resistance and reactance, right? What that will do is send you down a memory shoot of the times when you were indeed stubborn and resistant. And you will say to me, you'll hit some instances and you'll say to me, yeah, that's right. That's who I am. Now, if instead I bent back your thumb, very same thumb, and said, you know, Matt, I can see that you're actually a flexible individual. You're willing to change your mind if you encounter information to suggest that uh, you've been wrong in the past. That will send you down another different memory shoot where you'll encounter times when you were flexible and you will look up from me to me from uh, that palm that I'm reading and you'll say, that's right. That's who I am. So I can, I can get you to focus on a particular trait or capacity that you have and, as a result, make you more likely to think of yourself as that kind of individual. There's an old uh, saying that, tell me what you're paying attention to and I'll tell you who you are. 
So if you're always uh, watching sports on ESPN, I, I can tell that you're a fan. If you're always reading gourmet magazines, and uh, uh, I can tell that you're a foodie, right? By what you're paying attention to. Well, what the new behavioral science tells us is that getting you to pay attention to something doesn't just reveal who you are. It makes you who you are in that moment. I can make you a flexible individual. I can make you a stubborn individual by what I focus you on first. It's fascinating. And, and even when you're saying those examples, as you said it, I, I sort of felt myself almost in, in a reaction, just starting to think about all the times that I've been stubborn. And then when you switch to flexible, I start thinking about, oh yeah, these, you know, all these times I've been flexible. And then I caught myself and I was like, hold on, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting sort of primed to, to think about these things. Right. Uh, and that's the trick that palm readers use, but it's now something that is available to communicators to move us in various directions. So we have to be very careful when we encounter a message, not simply to look inside the message for evidence of the persuasive strategies of the communicator. We have to ask ourselves, what happened just before I received that message? I'll give you an example. There was a study done of an online furniture store that specialized in sofas. For half of their, their visitors to their website, they sent them to a landing page that had as its background wallpaper fluffy, soft clouds. For the other half of the visitors, they went to a landing page that had small coins, pennies, as the landing page depiction, background depiction. Those people who saw the clouds then rated comfort as more important in buying a sofa than before. They then searched the site for comfort-related information, and they preferred to purchase more comfortable sofas. Those who were sent to the background landing page of small coins, pennies, rated cost as more important in their decision of buying a sofa, searched the site for price information, and preferred to purchase inexpensive sofas. And when they were asked afterward, so did those clouds or coins make any difference in your choices? They laughed. They said, of course not. I'm a freestanding entity. I decide based on my personal preferences of who I am and what I want. They didn't recognize that the clouds and the coins changed who they were and what they wanted in that moment. And I think you've, you've raised two really, really important points, and I want to dig into each of these. One is this idea that the, the importance, uh, the notion that the persuasion doesn't necessarily lie just within the message, but rather the context of the message is presented and the things that happen before that message. But then the second thing you just brought up, which I think is, is vital and, and really underscores how important, how powerful, and, and sometimes how insidious this can be, is the idea that people consciously have no awareness 
of the fact that they're being primed to, to think these, these certain ways and make certain decisions based on what they would consider consciously to be completely irrelevant factors. Exactly. I'll, I'll give you another example. Uh, a study was done in France where they went to a shopping mall and had a very attractive young man walk up to young women uh, who were strolling along through the halls of, of the, the uh, shopping mall. He stopped them, gave them a compliment, and asked them for their phone number so he could call them for a date later. Under most circumstances, worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. His success was dismal, where, where they were passing various kinds of stores. Only about 13% of the time did he get a phone number, even though he was selected to be very attractive, movie star looks kind of guy. Right? But if they were passing one particular kind of shop... His success doubled. It was a flower shop because flowers are associated with romance. And not one of these young women, women, when asked afterwards, recognized what had happened to them. And that reminds me of another example, which I, th- I think, tell me if this is the same sort of psychological tendency, but I think it was when people were purchasing wine in a wine store, if they put on German music, it was like 70% of the purchases would be German wine. If they put on French music, 70% of the purchases would be French wine. And yet when they asked consumers, did the music have any impact on the wine purchase? I, you know, Everyone said that, that it had no impact on them. Exactly right. So it, this is a dangerous 
stick of dynamite that we have now in the idea of persuasion. That's why we have to be so ethical about the use of this. We have dynamite. We can move people in our direction, and they won't even recognize it. So we have to be very careful that we take the ethics and their interests into account as as communicators. And on the recipient side, we also have to be very careful that as as recipients of this information, we don't dismiss the context in which the information was presented. So that, that gets back to the, the first point I talked about, which I want to I dig into a little bit more. The idea that the message itself is not where all the persuasion takes place, and it can take place around the message, before the message. Tell me more about that, that phenomenon, that notion. Yeah. Well, remember the idea from back in the 70s, uh, the medium is the message? This, this notion that the channel in which you send the message can be a message itself. If you meet somebody face-to-face versus you call them on the phone or you send them an email, that's a message itself that you have taken the time to meet with them face-to-face rather than send them an email. So the message is partially the medium, right? Well, what we've learned since then is that not only is the medium the message, the messenger is the message. Sometimes simply establishing one's credibility as a communicator, as an honest and informed uh, broker of information can be enough to be the message. It's often the case that people say yes to something simply because of the credentials of the communicator. There was a sort of alarming study that was done that measured brain activity when people were given communications about uh, a particular economic decision that they could make. Right? And when it was just sent to them by an unknown communicator, those sections of their brain, those sectors of their brain associated with cognitive analysis lit up, right? just as you would expect. But when they were told that the communicator was a distinguished professor of economics at the University of Chicago, their analysis sectors of, the brain, of their brain shut down. They flatlined. Instead, another sector of the brain lit up, which was had to do with attribution of uh, responsibility for messages. Who is this person, essentially? Right? So the messenger was the message. Right? The context, before there was even a message, sold the audience. There's another way in which we can think of it. The multitude is the message. Not only is the medium of the message or the messenger the message, the multitude is the message. If a lot of other people are doing something, that's an indication that it's the right thing to do before you have even encountered the message. Right? So, for example, in the uh, United Kingdom, they have a problem with uh, people who pay their taxes late, right? and they send them a message 
uh, the tax office that says, if you don't pay in a certain time, here will be the consequences. And they get about uh, 68% of the people responding by paying their taxes after getting that message. If instead they say the great majority of UK citizens do pay their taxes on time, now this goes to 73%. If instead they go even further and say the great majority of taxpayers in your community pay their taxes on time, it goes to 79%. So learning what most others are doing is a message itself. All context to the content of the message that is yet to come. And that's a great, the the word context, that's a great way to kind of succinctly capture this notion, which is the idea that context matters as much as, or maybe more than content in many cases. Often more than content. So how can we, how can we leverage some of these principles? Let's, let's think about, you know, for those who are, are operating kind of ethically in a sound way, how can they leverage these principles to, to influence people yeah. in the way that they want to? Let's take the workplace as an example. Suppose you're applying for a job right? and there's a, a meeting that you have with an evaluator. Sometimes it's a team of evaluators, sometimes just a single person. And you go in and what we've always been taught to say is, I'm very happy to be here. I want to answer all of your questions right, that you would have for me. Here's what I'm going to suggest we do. We also say, but I'm curious. I have a question for you. Why did you invite me here today? What was it about my resume that was attractive to you? And here's what they will do. They will begin by focusing on your strengths. They will be the context for the interview will be your strengths. That will be the starting point for the interview. They will search your your resume. They'll say, well, it's because your credentials are what we want, or it's because your values that you indicated fit with our value statement, right? And that will be the launching point now. You'll also be informed about what it is that they think is most important, right? You'll be able to build on that. I have a acquaintance who claims he's gotten three straight better jobs in a row using this tactic. Okay, now let's say you got that job and you've you've got a new initiative that you want to develop, right? But you know you need the uh, buy-in of a of a colleague of yours to send this idea forward. So you approach that person, maybe give that individual a draft or a blueprint of your idea, right? And ask for that person's advice. That's a mistake. Not not to include this individual, right? And you ask for that person's opinion. I'm sorry, I meant to say opinion. You ask for that person's opinion. It's a mistake to ask for that person's opinion. Because when someone is asked for an opinion, that person takes a half step back from you and goes inside, introspects, and separates, right? Instead, if you change one word persuasively and ask for that person's advice, 
rather than opinion, that individual takes a half step toward you psychologically, sees him or herself as a partner in this process. And the research shows that person will now become more supportive of your idea than if you asked for an opinion. You know, there's a, there's a saying, when you ask for someone's advice, you're usually looking for an accomplice, right? <laughs> well, here's what the behavioral science says. If you get that advice, you usually get that accomplice. And that's what you want, right? When you want to push something forward in, a, in an organization. Okay, and then one last thing. Now, let's say you've, you've got a, a meeting to present your idea, and it's got a particular budget, and you have figured out the budget so that it will be $75,123, right, to a- accomplish your uh, idea, to get it launched. And what you typically do is to reduce that to 75000 You round it off to $75,000, right? That's a mistake. Because if you say, research shows, if you say 75123 people assume that you have done your homework. You have figured this out. You are knowledgeable about the pros and cons of the budget. Right? You've got it down to the dollar. Right? And even though it will be more money by $123 than the $75,000 figure, people will be more likely to accept that budget under those. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Circumstances. I saw another study recently, uh, remarkable, back in the UK again with the the tax office. So they got this idea, hey, let's let's tell people that the majority of taxpayers pay on time. So they sent one message that said nine out of ten of the people in in your community pay their taxes on time for another group they sent a message that said 88% pay their taxes on time the 88% message got twice as much taxes tax payments because it was a precise number rather than a rounded one that seemed like it was pulled out of the air so that's One thing you can do before you even begin 
begin with a budget, put it at the top of your proposal that has a precise number rather than a rounded one. It's fascinating. And and I think it can't be overlooked that these small differences that seem so trivial to someone who's not consciously applying the principles of influence, the principles of persuasion, they they seem so irrelevant and yet they make a tremendous impact on, on human behavior. You're precisely right about that, Matt. I'll tell you something, how I began to dis- how I decided to write this book, Persuasion. Right? I had been seeing studies in the research literature suggesting something like this, but I hadn't really put it together till one day there was a knock at my door. I answered it to find a man who was asking me to contribute to a cause. After school, programs for children in my district whose parents were working, who would have to get child care for them, uh, and so on, right? So we would have education uh, opportunities for them after school. He didn't show me any credentials to indicate that he was from the school district. And I hadn't heard that the school district was initiating such a program. And yet I gave him more money than I would have given to someone from the United Way or the Cancer Society that I normally give. And after I closed the door, I remember thinking to myself, what just happened here? And I realized it wasn't the content of what he said. It was the context. He did something first that made me want to give money to this cause. He brought his seven-year-old daughter with him, and I was focused on children and children's issues and children's needs and children's challenges. He put me in touch with that side of myself that became top of mind now and made me who I was in that moment. And I thought to myself, oh, there's a book here. That's fascinating. And and I think there's those are some great examples of how just by being a little bit conscious of it, by thinking ahead and saying, how can I, how can I set up my environment or the, or the presentation or the context for this particular piece of information to make it more effective? There's so many lessons and strategies that can come out of that. Yeah. And I think the way to do it in an ethical fashion is to say to yourself as a communicator, what is it about my message? What dimension of my message, what feature of it, what aspect of it will make it most wise for people to say yes. That's what I should put, uh, that concept is what I should put at top of mind in my audience before I send them the message. Something that will cause them to focus on a feature of what I have to offer that makes it wise for them to choose it. So if we go back to that furniture store, that online furniture store example, if the most, if the the best thing about the furniture at this store is the price of it, right? That's then pennies, should be the first thing people encounter. Even though the more comfortable furniture 
may produce a bigger profit margin for the store. To be ethical, they should not put clouds on their background wallpaper. They should put pennies because their strength is the value. Uh, They're low cost. That's where we should send people if we're going to use this ethically. I'd love to, I'd love to look at another angle of the concept of persuasion. Is it possible? And what are some ways that we potentially could apply persuasion to influencing ourselves? Yeah, this is really a good question because uh, it's what I think I've been able to use it for since I started thinking about this. And here's what I've done. If I have a task that requires me to be very thoughtful, there's a particular image I put at the top of my computer screen that research shows increases the likelihood that people will solve a difficult problem correctly. It's an image of Rodin's The Thinker. Research showed if you give business students, business school students, a a set of difficult problems, right, and you ask them to solve that, that problem, those problems, with a variety of different images, right, like a nature scene uh, and so on, the kind of thing you usually have in your as your screensaver or your background wallpaper, right? That's not as successful as if you give them an image of Rodin's The Thinker. They actually solve 48% more problems correctly. So that we can do this to ourselves. We can put ourselves in a state of mind that is congruent with the goal of our message. There's another study that shows that if you want people to expend a lot of energy in a task, persist at it, and be uh, energy-driven with this task, show them a picture of a runner winning a race – And that will increase their performance on that kind of task. So what I do now is depending on the goal I have for a particular task, I choose an image that's congruent with that goal and put it there on the corner of my screen as I perform the task. We can do that. That's a great and and, and such a simple strategy to implement that everybody listening could, could immediately put in place right now to sort of prime themselves with just the smallest thing in their environment to help them move towards whatever they're trying to achieve. So that said, what is one really simple piece of actionable advice you would give almost as a form of homework to our listeners for them to implement some of the concepts we've talked about today? Here's a very simple thing. Very often when we want people to move in a particular direction, we want them to change, right? It requires change, right? Here's what the research shows. If we ask them for change on a Monday or Tuesday, we'll be more successful than if we ask them on a Thursday or Friday. If we ask them for change on the first or second day of the month, we'll be more successful than if we ask them on the, on the last day of the month or second to last. Why? Because at the beginning of things, change is in it's it's something new 
Something has just changed. And change is in the air. There's a study, for example, that showed that armed forces personnel here in the United States are often asked to contribute to a retirement plan so that at when they retire, they will have a, a, a good amount of money available to them. And they are, they've been resistant to that as a rule, except at one time after they have just changed locations to a new base then they become significantly more open to the idea of doing something new, of getting away from their old habits and moving to something new. So if as communicators, we're interested in getting change, we can increase the likelihood that people will change in our direction by picking the right time. Once again, the context rather than the content of our message is vitally important. And where can people find you and your books online for, for people who want to do you know more research and dig in and learn more? Yeah, probably the best place is uh, our website, influenceatwork.com. That's all one word, influenceatwork.com. And they can get access to our books, our videos, uh, and and so on, and opportunities for speaking or uh, consulting, training, those kinds of things are available. Well, Bob, thank you so much for for coming on the show and sharing all of this incredible wisdom. You know, we are huge fans of you and your work, and it's truly been an honor to to have you on the Science of Success today. Thank you, Matt. I enjoyed being uh, with you. It was a good set of questions, I have to say. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. We created this show to help you, our listeners, master evidence-based growth. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at successpodcast.com. That's M-A-T-T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I read and respond to every single listener email. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should sign up for our email list today by going to successpodcast.com, signing up right on the homepage. There's some incredible stuff that's only available to those on the email list, so be sure to sign up, including an exclusive curated weekly email from us called Mindset Monday, which is short, simple, filled with articles, stories, things that we found interesting and fascinating in the world of evidence-based growth in the last week. Next, you're getting an exclusive chance to shape the show, including voting on guests, submitting your own personal questions that we'll ask guests on air, and much more. Lastly, you're going to get a free guide we created based on listener demand, our most popular guide, which is called How to Organize and Remember Everything. You can get it completely for free, along with another surprise bonus guide by signing up and joining the email list today. Again, you can do that at successpodcast.com, sign up right at the homepage, or If you're on the go, just text the word SMARTER, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps boost the algorithm that helps us move up the iTunes rankings and helps more people discover the science of success. Don't forget, if you want to get all the incredible information we talk about in the show, links, transcripts, everything we discuss, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. You can get those at successpodcast.com. Just hit the show notes button right at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success. 
Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org.